and the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Calendar Year. We've already done Happy New Church Year a while ago, and since then we've done Advent, Christmas, and we're kind of racing through Epiphany. So the church year is just charging along, and before we know it, we'll be into Lent. So, but Happy New Year. So how are you feeling about this new year? A little bit hopeful? We'll see. In some ways, nothing has changed. But in some ways, it feels like there is the potential, at least, for a lot to change, for better or for worse. I spent Friday doing uh, some planning for the year, praying and thinking about what this year might hold, uh, letting go of some of my hopes for last year. I had all my list of hopes for last year and just put a line through a whole lot of them. Things like go on sabbatical, go to Lambeth, go to Israel, all of those things. Uh, holding on to some of them and finding some new hopes for myself and for the parish in this new year. And then spending a lot of time putting a whole lot of dates into my diary. It was frightening how many dates I could put into my diary already. And I was struck by the sense of opportunity that this year holds to start again in some new way. And to grow and to live in some new ways in this new year. Even though, in a sense, nothing has changed. That new year holds that potential that, well, maybe this year I could do things a little bit differently. And in light of that, I found it interesting that for the last two weeks at least, I can't comment on the other weeks, uh, the gospel readings have been all about call. So last week we had John's story of of, uh, the call of Philip and Nathaniel. And this week we've had uh, uh, Jonah's second call and uh, Mark's story of the call of Andrew and Philip and John and James. All about call. So last week, Joyce told us uh, some of her experience of being called to be a missionary, and she could have gone on and talked about her experience of being called uh, to be a priest, and then the places where she was called to. And in the past, on the Sunday, uh, in some years, I've talked about my own experience of call to be a priest, to be a Franciscan, to be someone who works among young people. Uh, to be and then called out of that ministry with kind of a question mark of where that might happen. And then, uh, so that was an interesting experience. And then uh, a year or two later, having been called out of the ministry, being called here uh, to be the vicar of this parish. Uh, and it would be easy to think that call is kind of big and it's all about the people up the front who are allowed to wear clerical collars. Uh, but the fact is... We are all called, even people like Jonah. So uh, I think that's all we get of Jonah, what we heard today. And it's a pity. And I'm just going to say, too often I think we try to read Jonah like it's a history book. This actually happened. And Jonah was never written as a history book. It was written as satire. It was supposed to be funny. You're supposed to be howl with laughter as you read that book because it is so ridiculous. All the way through, it is ridiculous. 
So the fact, uh, but Jonah is was an historical person. He was a prophet in, uh, I think, in the Northern Kingdom. He's talked about in um, in the Second Book of Kings. Uh, and uh, today we would have seen him being one of the big supporters of Trump. So uh, he was a nationalist. So essentially he was saying, God is on our side. We will win. God will make Israel great again. We don't have to do anything. We just have to believe that God will make Israel great again. And, uh, well, Israel got flattened by the Assyrians. So it didn't work out very well. So this is the Jonah who's used in this story, who does not want to go to the Assyrians and offer an opportunity to repent. So he would rather jump on a boat and go the other way. And lots of other people... Um, believed God because of his actions but he just was not willing to do it he was willing to jump in the ocean and die rather than do that and God swallows him in a big fish and spits him back up on the land so that's what happens before this so that's supposed to make you laugh not wow that's amazing God did that and then he goes to Nineveh uh, and he preaches the shortest sermon ever in Hebrew it is five words long it's eight words long in history in uh, English it doesn't mention God, and on the basis of that five words, the entire Syrian empire repents. Everyone puts on sackcloth and ashes, even the sheep and the cows. It is ridiculous. They have little sackcloth diapers on. So just think about that. Think of that ridiculous notion. That's the story of Jonah. And the punchline is Jonah's more upset that the tree that he was sheltering under it dies than the fact that that entire empire was supposed to die and God says I will love who I will love so it's a, it's a punchy but supposed to be satirical and funny story not history so just remember that when you read Jonah so back to what I was talking about which was call we all have a call it's part of being a follower of Christ when we are baptised last week we baptized Arthur and he was called that was part of the baptismal service and every well not every year because last year we didn't do it for some reason but most years at Easter we reaffirm our baptismal vows uh, and we reaffirm our call when we are confirmed we acknowledge our call and most of us here have been confirmed we are all called and none of those callings are more important than anyone else's, even if I do get to stand up in front wearing a funny dress and a clerical collar occasionally. So I wonder, what are your stories of call? I mean, I could tell you mine again, but that would be boring. So what are your stories? So I invite you for a moment or two to turn around and talk to your neighbours about your experience of call. So you've got a couple of minutes to do that. Have a conversation. You know, keep it brief. Highlights only. So one of the things you might have noticed was that not all call stories are the same. Some of them are kind of quite dramatic. Some of them take a long time and are kind of ever-growing. Um, sometimes we don't want to know about it. and We're like Jonah walking the other way. Uh, and even when you do ex- 
to hear that call, you don't, you really don't want to know it still. And and that's all part of the experience of call. If we look at our our stories of call in the Bible, they're all different. Jonah is different from Philip and Nathaniel, and they're different from the calling of the people we heard today. Uh, and we tend to think about the the calling we heard today as being instantaneous. The first time these people saw Jesus, they were like, yes, I will follow him. And it's much more likely that Jesus had been living in that place for some time, and they knew who he was and been listening to his teaching. And when he said, come and follow me, they went, yes. It had been growing for some time. It wasn't that kind of instantaneous thing. That may have popped some of your balloons. I apologize for that. I want to spend the rest of this morning talking about verse 15, which sits just before the actual call stories, but is what the call was all about. And uh, there are a number of commentators who would suggest that verse 15 is a very important verse in Matthew's, in Mark's gospel. So last year we spent a lot of time going back to the Beatitudes, because the Beatitudes are, in a sense, the starting point for Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel, Matthew spends the rest of his gospel talking about what the Beatitudes mean. And in Luke's gospel, it's Luke 4, when Jesus reads from the scroll in, from Isaiah in the synagogue in Nazareth. And Luke spends the rest of his gospel talking about what that looked like for Jesus. And in Mark's gospel, the commentators say that verse 15 acts in the same way. Verse 15 kind of sets out what the gospel is about, the rest of the gospel up to the trial and crucifixion, and even that is about what verse 15 is all about. And I'm going to read it in two different versions of the Bible. So the one we're most familiar with, which is not the one I read this morning, is from the NRSV. Actually, there were some pictures up on the screen, so there was that one, and now the next one. So verse 15 in the NRSV, which is the one we're familiar with, was now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. And that has all kinds of, well, the time is fulfilled we're not really sure what to do with that, but it kind of feels like that was important. Repent, that holds a whole lot of baggage. Uh, and believe in the good news holds, has come to kind of become an intellectual activity. What do I believe in? What do I know about this? So the CEB, the Common English Bible, is a translation that was that massive Bible I kind of hauled up to the lectern before I did the... Um, it's huge. I have no idea why it is so big. But um, it's a very recent translation. Uh, it was probably put out about 10 years ago. Uh, one of the leading editors was one of my lecturers at Otago. He was a visiting lecturer. Uh, he led us um, looking at the Gospels, particularly of Luke. And um, so they translate it um, a little bit differently. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, pretty much the same, saying, Now is the time. Not the time is fulfilled, but now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. Trust this good news. So there are three important themes in what Mark is saying this morning. The time is fulfilled. 
and in the CB that becomes, now is the time. Repent, which they translate as change your hearts and lives, and believe in or trust this good news. So I just want to offer some quick comments about those three themes, and I want to start with repent. And I want to start with that because I've actually already, over the last couple of years, talked a little bit about that word and how the Greek for repent is metanoia. And we usually kind of, uh, one, of the, one of the podcasts I talked to, uh, I listened to, well, the podcast I listened to, uh, the Old Testament scholar says we often read metanoia in light of the Hebrew shuf, which means turn around. So we translate it as turn around. But in fact, he said it is an entirely different word. And if we look at the component parts, it is meta, which means bigger, and noia, which means mind. Bigger mind. To repent was to have a bigger mind. To see the world entirely differently. How are we supposed to see the world? Through the eyes of God, seeing the good news of God at work in the world. So it wasn't about our individual sin, so much as it was as seeing what God was doing in the world and joining in. Change your hearts and lives. If you see the world differently, you will live differently. That was the invitation. And so, when we have... and So the question then is, what enlarged or new outlook, new or bigger way of seeing God's world might we be invited to this year? How might we see the world and our place in it and God's work in it differently this year? Are we open to that? So that's the first question. Just hang on to that. The second word is the word belief, or as the CEB translates it, trust. And in fact, the Greek is much better translated as trust. When uh, there's a kind of fuckapapa or a genealogy in the translations. So the NRSV um, goes back to the RSV, which goes back to the King James Version. So the King James Version has believe. And that was a good word to use in the 1600s. But words change meaning. And the best example of that is comforter. The Holy Spirit, the comforter. We think of that as uh, the Holy Spirit putting the Holy Spirit's arm around us and saying, there, 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 it'll be all right. Uh, in fact, when the King James Version used the word comforter, it was more like having a sword poked up your bum. Um, it was more a motivation. So when they talk about the Holy Spirit, the comforter... That's what they're talking about, having a little... And the Bayern Tapestry has King William comforting his troops. So he is standing behind them with a sword, poking them up the backside, going, on you go, hurry up. That's what he's doing. That's what the word comforter means. So words change meaning. But translators within schools are conservative. And unless there's a really good reason to change a word, they will leave it. So, believe is what has stayed. And it will continue to stay as believe. The CEB were starting again from scratch. They just had the Hebrew and the Greek in front of them. They did look at what other people had done, but they, they kind of took stuff at face value more than lots of other translations. They didn't 
Um, so another example of what the CEB has done is the Son of Man, they have translated as the Human One. Because they wanted to get at what that phrase meant. So we have come to kind of just like the Son of Man. We think we know what it's about. It's a title for Jesus. And they're saying it's not a title for Jesus. It's actually looking back at Daniel. And what, what does that really mean? The Human One. What does it mean for Jesus to be the Human One? So they have just kind of ditched the Papa and gone for some new words. So they've done that here. Trust rather than belief. So what are we to trust? We are to trust that God's kingdom is coming. That is the good news. And how do we know what God's kingdom looks like? By repenting, that is having a bigger worldview, being able to see God's work in the world. So these things are all linked together. So the third phrase then is the first one. Now is the time. The time is fulfilled. Kind of has a, well this is God's moment and that's cool. And we can feel pretty relaxed about that. But now is the time. That has a sense of urgency about it, doesn't it? Like now is the time. And on the same podcast, uh, the New Testament guy who's on it, a guy called Matt Skinner, he said, like this is Jesus saying, enough is enough. His friend, his mentor, we would think, John the Baptist, has been arrested. And it's like, enough of this rubbish. We need to stand up and act. We can't let this go on anymore. Now is the time. It's time to act. It's time to get on with it. I've been through the testing of the wilderness. I know who I am. I know what I'm about. Now it's time to do it. Now it's time to do it. There's a real sense of urgency and that we have to get on with it. Time is fulfilled kind of doesn't quite capture it, does it? It's kind of a more, oh, God's at work, that's cool. We can be a bit more chilled about it. And so this is, this is a, a kind of invitation to get on with it, to live out the reign or the kingdom of God now. So my question then is, what does now is the time mean for us today in the midst, in the midst of a global pandemic? In a world creaking under the human-made climate change. In a world that seems more fragile than ever. And what does it mean for us in traditional mainline churches where, like nearly all traditional mainline churches, even the ones that think they're doing quite well. We're struggling with aging congregations and uncertainty, fear about our future and not really sure, having spent the last 30 or 40 years doing all sorts of things to reverse that, not really sure what to do. What does it mean for us to hear now is the time? This is a new year with lots of opportunity. So what is this phrase? Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. What does this offer us with all of these bigger issues for our sense of call? 
in the start of this new calendar year. And as we start this year, as we listen to that phrase, as we think about our own experience of call, what or who are we called to be this year? I don't have any answers for that, I just have the questions. So I'm going to invite you to turn around, talk to your neighbour. How do you respond to all of that? Do you have any of the answers? really like to hear them if you do. Uh, what do you think about all of that? Have a conversation for a minute or two.